Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Um, obviously, it's Palm Sunday. But write down uh, these three words. Write down death, death to life, death to life. And um, we'll get into this, but as um, Omar was sharing and as I just shared yesterday, yes, we, we did take a walk and it was a prayer walk. And as the body of Christ, uh, we took this to pray and to voice something that we believe deeply uh, about. And our walk and our prayer was not in vain. How many of you know that when you pray to the Lord, it's not in vain? Just because the Lord um, hasn't answered, we have to remember this. Um, sometimes his reply, yes, it could be a no, uh, but sometimes it's a not yet. Our prayer is not in vain. We believe even as a walk and a prayer walk as yesterday, we believe that it made a mark. And we believe, at least when I pray, when I come before the Lord, um, I believe that that prayer makes a mark in the spiritual realm. And for what we were doing yesterday and what we do every day of our lives as believers, we're battling. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle every single day. Where there are many spiritual hosts battling, where there's God's angels, as we read in Scripture, against demonic hosts. How many of you ever read Ephesians chapter 6, for example? This is not stuff that we make up. This is not stuff just because Hollywood has a bad guy and a good guy. Like this, is, this is the reality. There's lies and there's truth. There's darkness and there's light. There's death and there's life. There's always um, these parties that come against one another. Uh, these, these spiritual forces that come against each other. And what we did yesterday, pray and walk, was to witness and to shift death to life. We went to a can't really call it a clinic, but more a camp, some, a facility of a camp, that that's exactly what they do. They allow and they process and they allow death to take place there. But when we come and we fight and we pray, that's what we're doing. We, our aim is to shift that death into life. And today is significant. You should write that in your notes. Today is important. It is significant. The reason why is because it marks the first day of Holy Week. If you read in Scripture, you'll see what I'm talking about. We'll get into that at some point. But we do remember that the beginning of this was Jesus' walk. And it was an infamous walk, an infamous march. Just like we walked yesterday, Jesus too had this infamous walk, this, what we would call this entry into Jerusalem and it would be for the last time. That's what Palm Sunday is. It's going to be his last tour, his last journey. His, he's entering into Jerusalem. And this would be entering to never come out of it again necessarily for a little bit. Well, we'll get into that on Resurrection Day. You'll see what I'm saying. But it's his last one as his ministry on earth is about to shift. And he's about to go reign in eternity forever. And he's entering into Jerusalem. And when Jesus was walking, listen church, when he was entering into Jerusalem one last time, 
I want you to know that a lot happened there. And I want you to understand this because you better believe that the spiritual realm was at work on that day. When Jesus was entering, the spiritual realm was at work. If you had eyes to see, I'm wondering what you would see with your eyes on that day. But we know immediately through scripture that Jesus is a problem to so many. He's a problem. He's a problem to the spiritual forces that are against him. Jesus is a problem, please listen, to sin itself on that last day entering into Jerusalem. He's a problem. And, and, and the reason why he's this problem is because he's at work and he's at work to put death and sin out of business. How many of you could say amen? That's what Jesus is doing. He's going to fulfill that. To put death and sin out of business. And he's the only one. The only one that we know. The only one that scripture teaches. That turns death into life. And that's the work of Christ. In your notes, write this down. The work of Christ is constant death to life. That's what the work of Christ is. Death to life. I want to read, just so you could see what we're talking about. I want you to read with me the entry to Jerusalem. It's found in John chapter 12, but I am going to start on verse 12. Follow with me here on verse 12. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. And a large crowd of Passover visitors, <clears throat> it says, took palm branches in verse 13 and went down to the road to meet him. And then they began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So Jesus, he finds a young donkey, he rides on it, fulfilling the prophecy that says, verse 15, it says, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. He's on this donkey, he's riding into Jerusalem, and he's fulfilling the scripture. Don't be afraid. Look, your king is coming. Riding on a donkey's coat. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and they realized that these things had been written about him. 17, 18, 19. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. And that was the reason so many went out to meet him. Because they had heard about this miraculous sign. And then the Pharisees said to each other, there is nothing that we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Amen. What a sight. Are you like this? Like, do you have certain things in scripture? We say this here a lot, like, like maybe the cross. I don't know if I would have wanted to be there, but like there's certain things in scripture when I read them, like, oh, I would have liked to have been in that event. You, you have those? I, I think this, this is a good one. This is top 10. This is a good event to be at. To be here on this Palm Sunday. To see all of this. To hear all the noise, all the commotion. The crowd and Jesus marching his way in. We started with this, with this entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. And I want to finish with this. 
But I want you to see something. The religious leaders rise up and there's a problem. There's a problem because just a moment before he raises Lazarus from the dead. And there's a problem because many are going to follow Jesus. So Jesus is a problem to, to so many there, to, to the religious system. And he's a problem to darkness. He's a, it's, it's just a very serious issue that's going on in Jerusalem. But what I want to take a moment right now and just take a, a left turn to eventually come back to this text is I want to show you this. That after you've been transformed in Christ, you will face an enemy for the rest of your life here on earth. Jesus, God himself, manifested in the flesh, is walking on earth. And what is he confronted with many times and what is he confronted on this palm sunday with an enemy that wants to do what bring death upon him do you see that it's no different than us do you remember jesus's words to his followers he says hey it's no different if the world hated me know that it will also hate you it hated me first so, so when the Lord does a work in our lives, we will face an enemy. But God, God will allow things to remind you at times. Because sometimes we go on in life and we forget, wait a minute, we're in a spiritual battle. You've ever woken up one day and you just felt heavy? You're like, why am I feeling heavy? Why is my spirit feeling heavy? Why? You're, in a spirit, you're a spiritual being with the Holy Spirit alive in you. It's sensing something. It's revealing something. It's directing you somewhere. The Lord will do whatever it takes to remind you that you have an enemy or enemies here on this earth. Uh, I'm going to give you a cool little thing that happens to me as the Lord always has a way of doing these things. Uh, not last week. I think it was the week before. I'm at my kid's school and I'm always there. You know, help me and Nancy. Nancy's really involved and and I'm there, and I'm picking up the kids, and I'm talking to one of the uh, families there and getting to know uh, this family, and uh, just a little, you know, quick talk. And out of nowhere, the father, uh, his son, is in uh, my son's class and just looks at me. It was, it was, it was real, real cool, real interesting. Well, I'm not going to call it strange. I guess God can be strange like that. But he just looks at me, and right when he's leaving, he says, hey. And I'm looking at him, and I think he's gonna, like, he forgot to tell me something. And he says these exact words to me. He says, hey, watch out for those demons. <laughs> They'll try to get you. He goes, they've done it to me. And I just watched him walk away and I was like. This is a, this is, this is a great way to end this conversation. <laughs> Have a good day, sir. So now I'm picking up my kids and I'm tormented, right? Like. Demons are coming. <laughs> there's, there's devils coming. So I'm trying to, uh, it's like a radar. I'm trying to find it. I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him. But you know, when he told me that, something in me was like, yeah. I was like, God's on my side. Like God fights for me. Because when he said, hey, I, I mean, the stranger, he's never done that before. And still to this day, he hasn't done it again. And just, he just was walking. He was, hey, 
Watch out for those demons. They'll get you. They'll try to get you. His exact words. They'll try to get you. Hey, they've done it to me. And then he walks away. And I'm just like, what do I do with that? Do I pray about that? Do I fast? And right then and there, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, it's a gift to you. It's a gift to be alert. Examine your life. What have you done? What are you doing? Where are you going? Because I'm giving you a present today. The demons will get you. Death is knocking at your door. They're mad and they're upset and they don't like you. So I just love you so much, son, that I wanted one of my other sons on earth to tell one of my other sons on earth just to watch out because I've heard through the spiritual grapevine that they've mentioned your name a few times. So I'm just letting you know, watch out for the demons. They'll try. I love that the man was very specific. They'll try. He didn't say they're going to. He said they'll try. Peter one time went through the same thing. I'm going to go outside of my notes here for a moment. And he looked at him and said, Peter, Satan has asked for you. (laughs) And he's going to sift you as wheat. But when you come out of it, strengthen your brethren. What is Jesus doing? I heard through the grapevine, Peter, that the demonic forces were talking about you. And soon, death is going to come knocking at your door. But don't worry, they will try. But when you get out, you're going to be better. So I love that. He really, I think it was from the Lord when he told me that. Because he says they will try. And I know that if resurrection lives in me, as much as darkness, death, and the enemy wants to come and destroy me, kill me, and bring me down, it could try its hardest. There could be days that some battles can be won on their end, but at the end of the day, the war is won by my beloved, by Jesus Christ. Amen? So he gives us reminders like that. He gives Peter's reminder like that. Have you ever had a reminder like that? Where the Lord just puts someone in your life? And I want you to know this, that as long as you live... Write this down because we're not going to just throw sugar-coated apples out here like that I love from Disney. Every time I go, I eat one of those. I haven't gotten years, but as long as you live, death will always rise up and it will always attack. And the reason why it will always attack is to ultimately cease life from spreading. Why is the enemy, why is death attacking? Because life spreads. Death, what is death? Death is to stop. Death is to end. It is the act, the fact of dying. It is the end of life to a person or an organism. This is what death is. Death. Death is a, is, is a cause of ruin. Death is non-existence. These are all different definitions of it. Death ends growth. Death ends reproduction. Death ends activity. Those are things that death does. You see a body that's no longer active, it's because death has entered. You see a body that's no longer growing, death has entered. That's what death does. But life is completely the opposite. They're at war with one another. Life is different than death. Life is existence. Life gives the capacity of growth. It allows function and it allows activity Life allows reproduction, amen? There's an opposite here. Death and life are constantly at battle. Death, everyone say death. Just sounds bad coming out. 
death. Death wants to stop the spread of life. And life, everyone say life. Life wants to cancel death's grip that it has on its people. They're in constant war. Constant war. So let's look at this life. We'll start with the good. Life in heaven, when one lives forever in their eternal, teaching you here on some stuff for a little bit, in their eternal and glorified state, we see that life just continues. How many of you know that when you die and you enter into eternity, life doesn't stop? This is for a, scripture says that this life on earth is for a moment. What we're living here, it's pretty much a practice run. You can live up to 110 years old. And it'll be a practice run because real life starts once a man dies on this earth. Life continues. Worship continues for all eternity. Business, eh, as usual, I guess we could say usual, but it's a little bit different, continues. We're just now on earth, we're operating but when we get to eternity, we operate under a, a new set of laws, a new government in heaven, under God's rule, and under Christ's forever reign. Life continues. Say that with me. Life continues. I guess we can say that eternity, it's a blend of theocracy and monarchy blended in together. Or as one teacher puts it, teacher of scripture says it this way, it says the government of heaven is something completely unique. Imagine a king presiding over anarchy of completely free and perfectly good moral creatures. He says, that is heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, let's keep, continue to speak on life. We read of the eternal kingdom. What is the eternal kingdom? Hopefully all of you know, but if you don't, it's good. Write these things down. The eternal kingdom is made up of this. It's the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. This makes up the eternal kingdom. In verses 1 and 2, John the Apostle writes this, of Revelation chapter 2, this vision, and the Lord takes him and he says, I saw a new heaven. Everyone say new heaven. That means something. And I saw a new earth. We could say it's good, save the earth, treat it well, be good stewards of what God's given us. But scripture says we'll be given a new earth. It says the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. And the sea has also, is also gone. There is no more sea as we know it. For the fishermen, don't worry. God is good. He has things ready for you. And I saw, verse 2, a holy city. I saw, look what he says again, a new, the new Jerusalem. And it was coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed, adorned for her husband. <laughs> Love this scripture. He's taken to this place and everything's new that's coming in the eternal kingdom. There's a new heaven now. The ocean is no longer there. There's a new earth that's, that, that's established. And then as the new earth and the new heaven is established, coming from the Lord falls on this earth. It's a new city that sits above all the nations and it's called the new Jerusalem. All of this is new. So what does that mean? That everything that's in the old system, the governments that are in the old system, everything as we know it is done. At least even the earthly government, it is done. We see in scripture that kingdoms and their manner of rule, the laws, 
which are all different with one another, it will be no longer, they will no longer exist. Neither corruption nor evil is found in the new system of things in eternity. How many of you could say amen? amen? Guess what? In eternity, we don't have to vote every four years for a new president. And they get bummed out when we thought that the one we voted for was the right one. We don't have to vote. We don't have to do things anymore. Like, like there's one that's going to rule. There's a new set of government. There's all kinds of different things. There's no more corruption or evil. Listen, the laws of earth and of science, of physics, nature, all of this will be no more. It's going to be different now. All of it is done away with. And scripture says, everything is new. Life continues forward, though. In this new earth, in this new Jerusalem, with new kingdoms, listen, with new nations, with, with a city that will stand above all the other nations, the new Jerusalem, under the reign of our Lord. Let, let's keep reading, just because I love it. Verse 22. He keeps on and he says this, Revelation 21. I saw no temple in the city of the new Jerusalem. He says, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There is no building, there is no walls, there is no structure that man has to go to. The whole place is a holy place. And the Lamb, God Almighty himself as well, are there. And they are the temple of the new Jerusalem. Verse 23, it says, in the city has no need of sun or moon. Can you imagine that? Every day the sun rises, wakes us up, goes down, we know it's time to go to bed. But in the new system of things, in the new kingdom, there is no sun, there is no moon, because there is no need for it. Why is there no need for it? For the glory of God, he says, illuminates it. The glory of God illuminates the city. Look at this. And the Lamb, the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself, is the light that illuminates in the city. Verse 24, I wanted to go off, but I don't have time on light. But I guess I'm talking more on life than light. But Verse 24, the nations, everyone say nations. The nations will walk in its light, the light of the Lamb. And the kings of the world will enter the city in all of its glory. Please listen to that. Nations and kings. What does that mean? Nations and kings are operating in this new kingdom. Life continues. Life continues to operate. There are actual kingdoms and nations in the new earth. If you thought that you were going to float around as a chubby little baby with wings, it is nothing like that. It is a real place. It is a glorious place. I mean, there are nations and there are kingdoms. There, 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 I mean, there are kings, there are rulers, there are governors. Things are functioning under the rule of Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, this is happening. It's, I'm going to be there one day. Uh, are you? All right. I hope so. I want to kick it with you guys. Verse 25. It says its gates will never be closed. You should answer why it's never going to be closed. At the end of the day, because there is no night there. What does that mean? The day does not end. You've ever had a good day? No, seriously. Like, what's your ideal day? Like, wow, I hope today never ends. You've ever been there? Like, this is like the best. And then it's like, oh, no, it's getting later. 
it's going to end. I don't want it to end. Eternity is like that good day on, on, on multiple steroids. And it just doesn't end. It just continues. And you're like, wow, you don't have to shut the door. The moon doesn't have to come out. Because this is a forever best day. It's, that's what eternity is. Come on. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there's no night there. So what does that mean? In verse 26, it says, All the nations, again, speaking of nations, will bring their glory and honor into the city. Why do nations bring their honor into the city? Because there's one that rules in that city. And it's Christ Jesus, the Lamb. So they're bringing their glory to the feet of Jesus. Verse 27, Nothing evil, man, this is awesome. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Can you imagine living in a world? We're going to live in a world, a new earth, actually. Can you imagine living in a new earth that has no form of evil in it? I can't imagine that. There is no evil, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. What is, what is he telling us? He's like, it's only the family of God that abides there. It's only God's family. And when you read these verses, what is it doing? It's describing life, a life that continues, a life that has no end, a life that is forever glorious. There is no corruption. There is no evil. There is no sign of sin. There is no death or experience of death. And then, everyone say life. How many of you are excited about life forever? Hallelujah. And then there's death. Death means there's no more. Death is the enemy of life. Death means constant dying. When hell is described, in Mark chapter 9, when Jesus speaks of the hand, foot, and eye causing you to sin, his very own words, he says, hey, cut it off. Not like cut it off, stop being bad. Like cut it off. He's using strong language here to make a very serious point spiritually. He's not telling the reader or the listener to, hey, really, like get a saw and cut your hand off. He's basically telling you, like, take sin very seriously. So he says this. He says, cut it off. It's better to enter with one hand, foot, or eye into God's kingdom than to be cast fully into hell's fire. That's what Jesus says about hell, about eternal death. One scholar puts it this way, that the word hell in ancient Greek, the translation the Hebrew for that in that scripture is the valley of Hinnon. And the reason why this is important, because as Jesus is speaking, the audience knows exactly what he's talking about. This was a place that was right outside of Jerusalem. The walls were desecrated by Moloch worship, worship and human sacrifice. So it was turned into a dump site where all the dump and rubbish and garbage was all burned there. And the smoldering fires and festering worms that would be there at that site made it graphic and effective, it made it as an effective picture of the fate of those who will be called the damned. So the message that Jesus is saying as he's speaking, it, everyone knows exactly what he's talking about. Oh, he's talking about the dump site where it smells and there's fires and there's worms and there's constant burning. He immediately took them to a place in Jerusalem that every um, listener in the audience was aware of. And he says, that is what hell is like. And he takes them to a real place in his message. The message, he goes on to say this, the message of Jesus was clear, knowing how terrible hell is, it is worth any sacrifice to avoid. 
Therefore, we cannot think of the kingdom of God just in the context of reward. Look what he says. But we must also think of it in terms of sacrifice. So I read this and I'm like, man, we too die. Where we have gone from death to life and we give ourselves as a sacrifice, just as the scholar says, as a sacrifice so that now we can receive life and eternity with Jesus. There's a true reality of life and death. And I'm going to, you'll see how I'm going to bring this all together. In Revelation 20, it speaks of the great white throne judgment. Ever read that? What an awesome Palm Sunday reading we're having. This is, this is good. The great white throne judgment. In, in chapter 20, verse 13, look what it says. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. The death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I hope we're all seeing this. That life and death are part of the system, yes, it's part of the system here on earth, but it's part of all eternity as well. The difference is, in eternity, it has no end. So one will either live forever, or one will either die forever. Are we all on the same page? Are we all in agreement here theologically and doctrinally with life and death, heaven or hell? If not, let's set up a meeting. All right. So why am I saying all this? I love all this because in 1 John chapter 2, and here is where I'm going to bring it all eventually to a close. In 1 John 2, 17, John the Apostle writes this. The same one that writes Revelation. He says, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. So just in one verse, 1 John 2.17, one verse, the apostle John, the beloved, as he calls himself, the one whom Jesus loved, that's what he writes about himself. Uniquely or surgically, he cuts through with his words to explain the comparison of life and death. He says that the world it's lost the system in which it operates in. The things that it chases. I didn't read it, but in verse 16, he describes it. He calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of it, everyone say all of it, is passing away and death is the end of all of it. In eternity, I don't have to worry about my children turning on the TV and seeing a commercial that I don't want them to see. Or turning on a movie that I don't want them to see. Or hearing a conversation that I don't want them to be part of. Or a temptation that I don't want to face. Or a struggle that I don't have to confront. In eternity, all of that, amen, is done with. I'm excited for that. But, as we read here, Death is not the end. John says it. Death is not the end of the believer. Quickly, John adds, there is one that does the will of God. This is why I'm stressing this verse. Because when I wrap this up, this verse is going to be monumental. There is one who does the will of God. And those who do the will of God, what does he say? Those will abide forever. They will have life. 
And all I was able to write down in my notes is to ask you a question of praise. And it's, can you praise the Lord this day that you have received the revelation that Christ the Lord has taken you from death to life? So, back to, um, back to Palm Sunday. This is the reason why I'm so interested in Jesus' final entry. He represents life. And life is entering to, in the next few days, experience and encounter death like never before. Did you hear that? But one of the reasons why I'm so interested in Jesus' final entry to Jerusalem is because what happens right before John chapter 12. Right before this, Jesus performs one of his most famous miracles in the book of John. One chapter before, in John chapter 11, Jesus had grown very close to a specific family. It was two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother named Lazarus. You've heard of them? And Lazarus, at this time, at this time, had caught some sort of sickness that eventually it led to his death. But Mary and Martha were so concerned with their brother Lazarus dying that they sent word to Jesus who was in another town. And I want to read to you what happens in John 11, verse 3 and 4. It says the two sisters sent a message to Jesus and they said, Lord, look what they call him. Your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, most, one of the most important verses that I'm going to read today, this is what he said. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Death, life in a verse. Come on, here's the statement one more time. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God will be glorified through this. We will get more into this next week on resurrection. But there's this beautiful thing starting from the point of your death to when you start living. When you start living for Jesus, when you start living for him, yes, death will try to rise up. Remember the guy that spoke to me at my kid's school? Death will try to rise up and conquer you again. But you have a promise in Christ who gives life. That death, as we've already described it in Revelation through Mark 9, and we've already described it through Revelation 21, life, and we've described both these things of life and death, that death now has no longer ha have a hold on any of the believers of Christ. But I want you to see this for right now. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Question, does Lazarus die? All right. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. You keep it like, but no, he died. Imagine that. Imagine the moment of him dying. Hey, I think, I think Jesus has lost it. You think some of the disciples looked at each other like, you think he's been out in the sun too much? You think we, you think we got this wrong? He just said that he was not going to die. And here we are. We just show up and he's in his tomb already. He's in his grave. Jesus just told us a few days ago, it wasn't going to happen. Who's going to go tell him that it happened? 
This just I want you to think about that. Think as a human being would think. So back to John chapter 12, remembering that statement. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through a city, a large crowd of the Passover visitors. Remember this. They took palm branches. They went down the road to meet him. They shouted out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus finds a young donkey, rides it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Look, or, or don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a coat. And his disciples didn't understand the time of the fulfillment, the prophecy. But Jesus entered entered into his glory they remembered what had happened they realized that this had what was written about him many in the crowd saw jesus call lazarus from the tomb raising him from the dead see how palm sunday and lazarus is all mixed together and they were telling others about it that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they heard about the miraculous sign of lazarus being raised from the dead and the pharisees said to each other there's nothing we can do we have no control we can't arrest him today because look what they say next there's nothing we can do everyone has gone after him how many of you love that have you ever read the verses before it I just read to you verses uh, 12 through 19. But have you ever read verses 9, 10, and 11? Let's go read verses 9, 10, 11. Right before everything that I just read to you, there's something to see. Right before Palm Sunday and all that I just read, look what really happens. In verse 9, when all the people, listen to look at this. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him. Everyone see that? And also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised life from the dead, death. So what was the big deal about the Passover? Jesus was entering Jerusalem, but alongside him, they also wanted to see Lazarus. They heard that Jesus was coming, but they flocked not only to see Jesus, they also got together because they wanted to see with their very own eyes Lazarus himself. Isn't that beautiful? Did you ever know that Lazarus was on the procession? I've read that so many times and it hit me I'm like, oh my gosh. I never really focused that Lazarus was walking with Jesus into Jerusalem. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Remember this verse. Verse 10. Then the leading priest, I believe it starts like that. See if I'm right. All right. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. <laughs> Jesus is coming. We want to see him, but we also want to see Lazarus. Wait, this is a great chance. Let's kill them both. It's the saying of two birds with one stone. Verse 11. For it was because, very important verse, and then, um, and then worship could start like stretching because we're going to close this off. For it was because of him, who's him in this verse? Thank you. It was because of Lazarus that many of the people had deserted them. Who's them? The religious leaders. And they believed in Jesus. Palm Sunday now, Palm Sunday just blew my mind. Palm Sunday just rocked my world. Because Palm Sunday was more than just Jesus walking into Jerusalem. It was also about the man named Lazarus who was resurrected from the dead. That was right alongside him. 
it was almost a banner that Jesus was waving as he was entering saying, walking with me is the man that a few days ago was dead for four days and I told him to come forth and now he's alive. He is proof that there is an existence, that there is a truth, that there is death to life. Here he is standing. I mean, it's mind-blowing. And Lazarus is with him. I don't know if he's walking by the donkey. Jesus, what's going to happen? I mean, but he's with him. He's there. He's present. And Passover has, Passover too, yes. But, but this Palm Sunday has a whole new meaning. Please listen to this. The very man that Jesus raised from the grave was now walking with Jesus into the city, which was going to lead Jesus to the grave. I'm taking you out of your grave. Now walk with me to put me in my grave. Can you, okay, that's just Jesus. Can you imagine, let's think with the human mind. Can you imagine being Lazarus on that day? Jesus, if you resurrected me, why are you going to go to the grave? Why would you do this kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know. Let your mind just take a field trip right now. Ready? Go. Think the unthinkable. Scripture allows you to do that. One man had just risen from the grave. The other man is about to be inserted into his grave. So Lazarus is the evidence. He's the miracle of life. When all that people were about to see was death on Good Friday, Lazarus is the testimony of life. That's alongside Jesus. Listen, it's what I like to call here, and I'm not shy to say this here, but I've said it many times. It's the inside out, the upside down way of the gospel. It's the inside out, upside down way of Jesus or the laws of the kingdom of heaven. It's inside out, upside down, and it's totally different than the way that we function here on earth. It's like a movie. You've heard me say this before, that you begin to watch. You ever watch the movie, and it starts with the end, and throughout the whole movie, it goes from the end all the way to the beginning? A lot of Jesus' ministry was like that. It starts from the end to get to the beginning of things. The movie starts to rewind. It's the same thing that he did with Zacchaeus. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? What does he tell Zacchaeus? He says, get down from the tree. How, how, how interesting is that, that Jesus would tell that man to get down from the tree when he himself would go up on a tree. He tells Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. Today I must go to your house and the whole house will be saved. So get down from that tree. So then later on shows a case that he would place himself on a tree for him. Lazarus come forth, right? John 11 and 12. Lazarus come forth from the grave. Receive life from death. Then later to show Lazarus, I will one day place myself in a tomb to then come forth and show that I am resurrection. See, what Jesus is doing is he's, he's um, putting the nail on the coffin. He's concreting this right here. He says, I am death. I am death. I am the desperation of sin's grip on a tree. I am the curse of man's sin on the tree. I took all of that. I took on all of death. But then he says this. I am also, as, as I took on man's death, he, he comes to say this, but I am resurrection. As I took your death, 
I am resurrection. I come forth from the depth of the grave. Death shattering its hold on those that believe in me. And he says, not only am I resurrection, but from the place of resurrection, watch what he says. I took on death. I am resurrection. And from the place of that resurrection, I am life. For all who live now can live freely in me. It was when the enemy of life was defeated. When the enemy of life was defeated, this death, when Lazarus now truly became a force. Christ has taken our death. How many of you could say amen to that? Christ has taken our sin. And as he's taken our death and our sin, he also says, as I take away your sin, as I take away your death, watch what he says, I put in you my resurrection. And he gives us resurrection. And the, the main reason why he gives us resurrection is now that you have resurrection, you're called to live. You're called to live. But when you live, and here's how I end. Write this down in your notes. The reason for you to live is for this. is to find and fulfill your purpose. Why am I here still? You know why you're still here today? To find and fulfill your purpose. So let's go to Lazarus as I close. Lazarus purpose from coming out of death into life what was it let's read this one more time because life continues and, and death continues and we've exhausted that enough today in scripture but here is Lazarus's purpose coming from a place of death into a place of life chapter 12 verse 9 to 11 I'll read it one more time when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. What's my point there? Death will always come to take. It will visit you again. They decided to kill Lazarus as well. Verse 11, why kill Lazarus when he already died? Let him live, man. Here's the reason. For it was because of him, Lazarus, that many of the people had deserted the religious leaders, the priests, and now they've come to believe in Jesus. Let's talk about that because we're done. You know how many times I've spoken to people and I've heard them say, how come the life of Lazarus is never mentioned again? We never hear anything else that happens to Lazarus after his resurrection. After he was risen from the tomb, from his gravesite. How come scripture didn't follow Lazarus? Well, it's not the gospel of Lazarus first off. But there's a gospel in Lazarus. Lazarus is mentioned again. One last final time. You want to know what happens with Lazarus? Right before he comes out of the tomb and they say that they have to take all his wrappings off. He's filled with the oils and the stuff that they, they mummify him in. And as he's coming out, he's taking all his wrappings. What a scene that was. He runs to Jesus. Jesus hugs him. He's weeping. 
The crowds are cheering. Mary and Martha are probably running with excitement and crying. Who knows? And he's taking out his... What happens with Lazarus after that? How come we don't hear? It does. Scripture does talk about him. One last time for the reader to know this is all you need to know about him. Because there's nothing more important than this one true thing. And if you're going to know anything else about Lazarus is this. That he had purpose. He had purpose from going from death to life. So as we get ready to enter Easter next Sunday, I want to drop a very heavy, loving and heavy question on your heart. And I want you to leave with this question heavy on your heart. What is your purpose from going from death to life? If you're in this place today, have you truly experienced, have you truly encountered that you've gone from death to life? If you can confess with your mouth, yes, I have. I was once perishing and dying. You know that scripture that you were talking about, the worms that never die? The fire that never leaves? The lake of fire, the quail, all those things, I was going to head there. But now I have life and I have abundant life and now I'm going to go to heaven. You know that kings and kingdoms and where the, where the lamb is the light. Oh, I'm going there. I'm going to the new Jerusalem. If you've gone from death to life, here's the question of all questions that we're going to stop at on Palm Sunday to maybe later answer it some more on Easter Sunday. And it's this. What is the purpose of each one of us going from death to life? Answer that. Pray about that for the next seven days, every single morning. What's my purpose? Because scripture tells us that when Lazarus went from death to life, they wanted to kill him because of Lazarus. Many people left them in their false teachings to go be at the feet of Jesus. You want to know what happens with Lazarus for the rest of his life? His main purpose in life was to lead people to Jesus. That's all the reader needs to know. The Bible doesn't say if he ever got married and if he had kids. The Bible doesn't say if he ever opened up a company it was a successful company around the Jerusalem area. The Bible never mentions any of that. But scripture mentions the most important thing that every single one of us should know. And it's that Lazarus had purpose. He had life in him. How do you and I know he had life? Because the ones that represented death wanted to come against that which represented life. We need to stop Lazarus and kill him too. Why are you so cruel? Because his life, the life that's inside of him, the life that resurrected him from death, it's spreading and it's affecting all of those that used to follow us and now they're following his teacher life multiplies life disciples life grows life is effective life is attractive life spreads and what happens is to the religious leaders it was a threat and they said not only is our aim Jesus but right next to him there's a man that has a story and that has something alive in him that every time he lives, every day that he lives and every time he speaks, multitudes are leaving us and they're going to follow this Jesus. So we're going to kill the threat Jesus and we're going to kill the message that is inside of Lazarus. What is the purpose of you 
going from death to life. Listen, you could get married and you could have five kids and 15 grandchildren and you could operate in 20 different businesses and you could go from $20 in your bank account to $20 million. Hey, those things can be written about you. But the most important thing that can be written about one whose life went from death to life is that many were affected by them and have left the system of sin and have now come to the feet of Jesus because of the life that is inside of you. That is your purpose. That is the reason. That is the declaration of what Palm Sunday is all about. That's it. It's all of that. Because of Lazarus, many people deserted them and believed in Jesus. It was because of him. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. How about if I say this? It was because of you. And I put your name right there. I say, because of Mike, many people deserted and now believe in Jesus. Because of your slang, many people deserted and have believed in Jesus. Because of Adrian, many people have deserted and have believed in Jesus. Because of Gerson, many people have deserted and believed in Jesus. Because of Tito, many people have deserted and believed in Jesus. Because of Nest Church, many people have deserted and have believed in Jesus. Lord, that's us. On this Palm Sunday, where there is a truth that there's a life and there's a death that are constantly at war and at battle. When there is this truth that life and death are always against one another. And here we are, children of light, children of life. But every day, there's these moments that we come and we encounter we encounter struggle and we encounter death but those are good signs because it means that our life is a threat to death so Lord I pray for whoever needs to be strengthened here today and they've come to the realization that they've been taken from death to life as we've defined very exhaustively in scripture and then they're here today and they're saying, well, well, then what's my purpose? That they would come to an understanding that their purpose and what could be written about them, the most important thing that can be written about them is that because of them, many have left sin, many have left darkness, many have walked away and turned their back from death and are now living and believing, believing in Jesus. So if there's anyone here that is looking for purpose in anything else, that is looking for reasoning in anything else, I pray that today you reveal to them that it's in this one thing that is their life spreading and is it drawing others to the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful reminder on this Palm Sunday. 
that you've did that with Lazarus so that we could see it. And you're fulfilling that with your death and resurrection next Sunday so that we could begin to walk in the authority of that and be it. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs strength, strengthen them. That they would come to truly live out in the fulfillment of this scripture and lead many to you. If there's anyone in here that's in death, I pray right now that they would open up their hearts. Come on, right now. And that they would go from death to life. And that they would right now open up their heart and say, Jesus, you are my God. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord. Transform me forever. Amen. That they would instantly go right now from the preaching of your word, from death to life. I'm going to ask you to stand with me with reverence. With every eye closed and in meditation and before the presence of God. Is there anyone here? I just want to give the opportunity. Maybe everyone is from everyone in here in here is of life. And today you needed to hear this because the Lord is assuring you that there's purpose. And to pray and to walk in this purpose. But maybe there's that one person that you're saying, hey, I want to go and I want to make this step today. I want to go from death to life. With every eye closed, you don't have to look around. If that's you today, and you want to go from the place of death, and you want to enter the place of life, if that's you today, can you just raise your hand right there where you're at and say that's me I want life I no longer want death I don't want to leave here today with death on me I want to leave here today with full life life abundantly so that I could fulfill the purpose that God has for me and that is to lead others to Jesus anyone else Lord I just pray amen As you have your hand raised, Lord, I just pray right now that you would, as you are visiting them, that you would just confront them. And as you have your hand raised, all you need to do right there is open up your heart and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of every sin. And I want you to know as you say that, you're not the only one. This whole room is filled with people of sin that have sinned, that will probably sin tomorrow. But Lord, forgive me of my sin, my knowingly sin, the sin of darkness that I was living in. Forgive me and wash me and make me whole. I want to be one of your righteous ones. Cleanse me. I want to be rooted in truth, in your word, in your presence. If you have your hand raised, just pray these prayers. Say, Lord, transform me. Write my name down as we read it today in scripture. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. So that I will not die forever, but that I will live forever. And that as I start living here on earth with the purpose of eternity, that I will live leading others with my lifestyle, with my testimony, and with my words to the feet of Jesus. Give me strength, Lord. I accept you and I receive you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I turn away from my sin and I turn to righteousness and to your holiness. Transform me forever in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise.